1: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
0: Hi, this is Nadine Dietz, host of CMO Moves. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say, thanks so much for stopping by today and to give you a quick overview on what to expect. CMO Moves is all about game-changing leaders their incredible journeys, the moves that they've made, and most importantly, their personal stories of how they got to be the leaders of some of the world's most exciting brands. I hope you'll enjoy their stories as much as I do and take away a few tips and some inspiration for your day. Enjoy the show. Hi there. Before we get started today, I wanted to share a fun story with you. So I was at Cannes this year and I wound up at a dinner sitting across from Rebecca Minkoff And as we were talking and I was learning about her story, I was simply enthralled as I heard about her journey from launching her business to becoming a global fashion brand, to being a mother of three, to understanding the journey in the marketing adventure. And when it was time to hire a CMO, I thought to myself, she's she would make a fantastic guest on CMO Moves. She's not a CMO, but she's been acting like a CMO since the day she said, this is my brand. And over time, as the company has experienced tremendous growth, she has learned a lot along the way. And at one point in her journey, she decided to hire a CMO. And I thought, you might enjoy hearing her story too. I was fascinated by the decision point. And how she's thinking about her role now as a founder of a super successful fashion brand. And it isn't what you think it might be. If I look at what Rebecca's doing, she is a fierce advocate of women owning their own businesses and helping support them in their entrepreneurial growth. She has created a podcast called Super Women, she has created a collective called the Female Founder Collective, she is creating an educational system. And it's not to say that she doesn't care about men in the equation. In fact, she's the first person to say that men are an incredibly important part of the equation, which I agree with, by the way. I think we're all in this together. She's just simply trying to create a level playing field by providing tools and help and support for women along the way. So I hope you enjoy this episode of CMO Moves. Thank you so much. Hello and welcome to CMO Moves. Today I have a very special guest with me who is Rebecca Minkoff. She is the designer and owner of Rebecca Minkoff, which is a global fashion brand and she's a fellow podcast host. Rebecca, hi and welcome to the show.
2: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for joining me. We have a lot to cover today between your path to success, how you manage your time, the fact that you've hired a CMO and what that looks like for your organization, uh, the launch of your podcast, the Female Founder Collective. Oh my God, it's going to be a packed podcast. So can't <laughs> wait to dig in.
2: <laughs> totally. I'm, I'm ready for anything.
0: I know you are. I know you are. So l- let's start by you sharing a little bit about Rebecca Minkoff. Uh, it's funny when I ask that question because that's you, but that's also your brand. So l- let's talk about that. What does that look like?
2: So I launched the company officially in 2005. I had a very small uh, Paraline that I, you know, made almost everything myself before that. And really 2005 was a turning point because I decided to launch one bag as an accessory to the collection and decided that I didn't want to be like other brands that I was seeing. It was the it bag time period. And I really wanted to design something that a woman would want to wear for a long time that was well priced. And that really spoke to these kind of first moments in her life, whether it's your first job, your first marriage, your first divorce, your first affair, um, lots of firsts. Um, and so I named it the morning after bag and put a card in there with a, with a picture of a boy and a number to call and, and hoped it would work. And it really took off and
0: the rest is history. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Okay. So what a cool concept. And as you said, the rest is history. Uh, but what a history you've had. How big is this empire now?
2: So we're really proud of the fact that we wanted to build a very strong base of specialty stores as we grew the brand in in addition to wholesale partners, and then have a really strong direct-to-consumer component. So we have built it up with 900 points of sale, 10 stores internationally, and three in the U.S., but really making sure that As we sort of said, okay, what's beyond bags? You know, we can't just get pigeonholed as she's just a bag company. So I had apparel training. So relaunching that in a way that wasn't me making everything, getting into footwear, really covering the full gamut of what a woman wears and needs on a daily basis. So eyewear, watches, and just filling out a lifestyle brand. So that's taken many years to do. And I think we spent the first few years solidifying our foothold and then expanding. And now we're sort of in a place where we're just like, we built the house and it's now time to decorate it and really dig deep into the marketing side of things and to make sure that our customer knows everything that we offer.
0: When we were talking earlier, you were sharing some of those key milestones. As you said, you've built the house and now you're decorating it. What were some of those key milestones as you were building?
2: I think there's inward facing milestones, like assembling the right team um, and then outward facing ones, like what is our brand story? And that has evolved over time. You know, we were the first brand to really talk to our consumer or use influencers or move our shows to be in line with how women shop, right? So we should have a spring show in spring and it should be immediately available. I think now as we build out our concepts, like what does a woman want if she's going to leave her house, you know, get on some clothing and come to our store? What kind of experience is that? So I think it's really been about those things and trying to keep up with our customer as everybody is, you know, whose mind is, is changing at a rapid rate. And I think aiming to be that brand that really keeps up with her and her lifestyle and, and how it's changed over the last 15 years.
0: Well, you know, it's interesting because, you know, most of my guests on CMOs happen to be CMOs and you're actually a founder, but you represent and know your customers so well, which is foundational for consumer engagement, customer experience. Um, And as you were growing, you mentioned as well that to be able to do all the things you wanted to do to engage them, you had to really build out your organization and at, at some point decided to add a CMO to your organization. Can you Tell me yeah. a little bit about that path and, and what some of the, the decision points were for you.
2: I think the decision points on, on deciding to add a formal CMO role, whereas we were at a point where you can have great product, you can have great PR, but it is the storytelling and the getting the customer to want something she didn't know she needed that we really needed to double down on because we had the product, we have a great following of, of fans. And so it's like, how do you just begin to craft that story? And make sure that it's hitting the right ears. And when you become a brand that has all this distribution and uh, volume of stores, those can tell fragmented stories of your brand and the parts that benefit those department stores or those mom and pops. And so how do you get someone very senior in who can bring it all together and make sure that from us, the right things are being told, the brand values are being showcased and we're the anchor to all this. And this is how we frame our message and not let it get away from us and have other people tell their version of it. We brought on someone just uh, a little over four months ago um, in this capacity to really help lead us prior to that. We had consultants, um, but I think it's, it's just different when you bring in a consultant versus really say, no, this is a really important initiative and we need someone here full-time to do it.
0: Okay. So I was thinking as you were telling that story about fragmentation and and the possibility of fragmentation when others are actually representing your brand for you, it's not unlike the hotel industry, right? Where they are representing themselves, but then there are a lot of third parties out there that are booking hotel rooms. Any tips on how you formulate those kinds of relationships with your partners so that you can have your story told in the right way?
2: I think that we've really tried to form deep, long lasting relationships with all of our partners. We have a lot of partners at Nordstrom and they frequently get promoted into different areas. But because the relationship from the beginning wasn't just about transaction, about just doing business, you know, we really cared for them as they've gone on. You know, a perfect example is the GM of the store who got promoted was like, now I'm over home. Just let me know when you want to do home. Now I'm over beauty. Let me know when you want to do beauty. And so I think it's been about caring about the person uh, from a personal level. They really understand and you've cared really about them. And I think that 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 goes a long way. And then they do their best to bring your brand story to life. It's not always perfect. you know. And at the end of the day, they have to get their brand story told. You're a puzzle piece within that. So I think it's about meaningful relationships and making sure that your story is really clear and easy to understand. And they can hopefully take the best of that. Will they get it perfect every time? Not always, but that's why yours has to be locked tight so that when the customer does land on your page or your Instagram, it's, it's clear. And that doesn't mean you shouldn't test. You know, I think sometimes people get so paralyzed that they're afraid to try new things, good or bad. We've tried a lot of things, you go back into our feed, you'll be like, oh, this doesn't look like what I'm seeing now. And it's because we're testing stuff. You know, we're trying to constantly optimize, making sure that what we're saying is visualized from the feedback we're getting, too.
0: Is there an example that comes to mind of something recently where <laughs> you tested and you're like, wow, okay, that worked or no, that didn't work and shifted gears?
2: Yeah, I think that probably a great example is. Two holidays ago, where we tested for the month of December, our feed will be mostly red. It'll be all about gifting. It'll be a lot of gifts, and like we'll only message gifting and see what happens. And by the end of the week and week one, I was like, "Uh oh, guys, we got three more weeks of this. I am bored out of my mind." You know, <laughs> this is not a, this is not good. To another example that was positive was last September, we decided to launch a campaign that was really about talking to all of a woman. So. I feel like women get marketed to, to be one thing, be brave, be bold, or be beautiful. And we were like, we want to celebrate all of you, like your complications, your, your fears, your vulnerability. We want to celebrate the fact that you're a sister, a mother, a daughter, a wife. And that really resonated with a lot of people in a way that it was an emotional connection that we established instead of just a transactional connection. And so we we felt like our customer was like oh you hear me you see me you know me and and that's led to just a deeper relationship with our customer.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to jump into a couple things with you, uh, especially around Super Women and the Female Founder Collective, because clearly you're an amazing advocate and champion for all things women. But before we jump into that, you, you mentioned you're a sister, you're a mother, uh, you have a lot of roles in life. Well, you're a mother, and you have three kids, seven, five, and one and a half. So h- how do you do it all yourself?
2: Um, I definitely don't do it all myself. And I talk about this a lot, like the reliance of uh, a team and making sure you surround yourself with... I have used surrounding myself with people that are almost many entrepreneurs within the organization that can think outside the box, take the reins as if it's theirs and run with it. And so whether it's the design team to having a wonderful CMO and, you know, the team under him um, to just having great help at home. You know, I think it comes from all levels. It comes from having an equal parent. We both do it all. So I think it's, it's like your village. You have to surround yourself with a tribe and then it's, it can happen. And it's taken me a long time, but also learning to let go of things. That's not an easy thing to overcome, but sometimes you choose between that and being able to see your kid graduate. And so I think for me as a mom, I started pushing those barriers. I got to come up with another way to be because I can't work 80 hour weeks. And so what, what am I going to like let go of a little bit and be okay with? And so really getting comfortable with that, even though it's not comfortable.
0: You remind me of a podcast I did with Simon Loudon, who's the president of Global Foods at PepsiCo. And that was actually the title of his podcast, Getting Comfortable with Being Uncomfortable. And, uh, and that's, that's a tough thing to, to learn and to be at ease with. So good advice. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about super women, super women. What tell me about super women, my fellow podcast host.
2: <laughs> so super women really evolved from something where I was really bored to tears with the insularity of the fashion industry. And I would be at the same event with the same people talking about the same stuff. So started having events in our stores, calling them, you know, RM Super Women Dinners, where it was just getting women from all industries together to just talk and share, and that was great. And then that felt insular on another level. Like my customer should be a part of this journey. So started interviewing these women at the stores, and as I began to think about it, it's great to have 92 women in my store for anything, but how many could I reach nationally or internationally if I took these stories and took them online? So last September launched Superwomen where I've gotten to interview people from the St. John to Patty Sellers to yesterday was Katie Couric and just tell their stories. But just from a different point of view, getting real, honest, vulnerable, finding out things about them, you'd be surprised to know. So it's not the how I built this. It's not only about work. It's really about who they are and what things they've had to overcome or not. And just telling it from that point of view.
0: So that's great. And, and I've actually been listening to your podcast. It's really cool. Um, and of course, Bose uh, is where I started. Um, and well, we were just in Cannes with Bose. Uh, and she was recently doing something with you for the Female Founder Collective. So why don't we talk about the Female Founder Collective right now? What, tell us what that is.
2: So, as my role as founder has, I guess, become more Forward facing, I I got asked the question too often. What's it like to be a female founder? And I just thought that that was weird. That I was like, clearly there are not enough of us for it to be a thing that someone labels. And why aren't there more female founders being uplifted or talked about? And also in looking at the endless talk about the gender pay gap, that it would be solved somehow if more women in C suite positions were there and being paid well. But also it's sort of like a false view. It's, It's an average, right? And so how could you actually get consumers who turn over their labels, hopefully to see what their ingredients are in their food or where they're going to buy something um, and really have a value attached to a brand who is sustainable or non-GMO or organic? How could you say... You know what? I'm going to vote woman, and I'm going to turn over this kombucha, and you know what? I'm going to buy Health Aid instead of another competing brand because it's woman-owned. And then I came across a study that Berlin Cameron did that found that 80% of women are more likely to support female-founded companies if they only knew how. And so it was a mixture of let's launch a seal that denotes female-founded companies, but let's also launch a collective so that these women can really share their best tips, advice. Uh, failures and really start helping each other. So from the consumer side, you can do something. And then from the founder to founder side, you can also lift each other up. So we launched in September of last year, we have over 5,000 companies that have joined the seals on over two and a half million products to date. And um, the response has been incredible and we're continuing to grow and just really be a resource for women who have legitimate businesses, where it's something that you're proud to display on a storefront in the way that, you know, you'll walk by a restaurant with a D rating, but go into the one with the A. So, you know, do you walk out of your way to go to the, to the coffee shop that has an FFC seal? And then also learning to visualize it on websites. And also I could probably do that part of the job for the next hundred years, but I'm also trying to approach this from a macro level and say, how do we get big companies to sign up for this? Could you enable female founded search we worked with Yelp to add a women-owned attribute. So now you can have that as part of your business. Um, or could you say, uh, are there aisles in, in massive stores around the country that could be female founded and really begin to get things more on an equal playing field?
0: So you carry it in on your storefront and all of the companies who partake also proudly display the seal. Is that correct? Yep. We ask
2: people to display it, you know, proudly on their storefronts, their websites, and when they can, I realize product packaging life cycles can be long, um, but when they can to put it on their packaging as well, just like you would put, you know, wherever you put the recycle sign or or the ingredients that that would go there.
0: Oh, that's great. So also part of this initiative is really helping those female founders come together and learn from each other. Are there any tips that have come out of these discussions that you would like to share?
2: I think that the most pressing issues for a lot of these companies is finance and access to capital. I think it's very trendy right now to go and raise VC money. And while that sounds great, we're trying to actually establish three understandable lanes for these women. So are you a VC company who has high growth and quick growth? Are you a small business that should just remain a small business that you can actually Fund your company with a mixture of debt, credit, loan, or are you profitable? And you should just be happy and and keep going about your business. And so I think we're establishing relationships with different VCs and also some banks where we're going to provide that type of education so they can actually go about their their business and get on the right track. Um, so I think that also ties into the education piece, which you know I started with a passion. I didn't know how to run a business. It would have been nice if I had a community I could turn to and be like do I do an LLC? Do I do a B Corp? You know, like all these things that you just don't know. So in the next few months, we'll be launching educational programming for them so that they can get those types of questions answered. And we've we've tested it. We had an event in March around workshops by founders. And then we've also had some one-off events where you could learn how to tell your story. And we did a rev share with the woman and she now has a proof of concept. And so I think we're, we're looking at education as a big play in this
0: in this field. So first of all, thank you for everything that you do for women across the globe, whether it's inspiring them to start their own businesses, helping them advance uh, the fashion that you provide for their confidence, um, all the things that you're doing. It's, it's fantastic. It, it does beg the question, though, it, is it only about women uh, because there are a lot of men that could use some help like this too like how do you think about that
2: I think the ultimate goal here is to level the playing field i think that if you look at it just in you know in human experience right there's been an unequal playing field for 10,000 years just to you know put it mildly and for women we're only really 60 75 years in to this and so you know Maybe the pendulum swings too far sometime, but let's get these women education. Let's get them actionable advice. They will then be more in a position to help level the playing field, bring a man along, and, and understand how to get the best of a working situation and, and manage it correctly. And so I think there's a lot of learning. You know, Again, we're, we're pretty young into this new paradigm, and so how do you get people ready uh, for this <laughs> so they can be the best they can be. And we need men in this and we need men who understand this and who want to change and be a part of it for this to succeed. It is definitely not an us versus them at all.
0: No, that's terrific. And, and, and I agree, um, you know, and I love the fact that you're looking towards education as a powerful enabler. I think that applies to a lot of topics, not just this one, and, and education is so key here. So uh, again, thanks for all that you do. And as you said, you started out, you didn't have a support system around you to easily turn to. What advice would you have for women today as they're thinking about their careers? Perhaps they're working for a brand. Maybe they want to launch their own business. Like any helpful tips for them as they're thinking about their journey?
2: I mean, I think that you have to decide what your passion is. If you can make a business out of that, whether you're working for someone else or not and that there is always a solution. It's just how much you decide to persist. And then if you have tried everything, not feeling like it's precious. And you know, the story Bozema told me was, she yelled louder than anyone at Uber. And then she's like, you guys aren't listening and I'm done yelling, I'm out. And so she didn't approach it from a victim mentality of like, I tried and no one listened. She's like, you guys are just, I'm not gonna waste my time on you. And so I think it 's like changing our own internal, you do your path, you throw everything at it, you give it your all you You have to be the change, you know it, no matter what it is, and you can 't wait for someone to help change it, and sometimes that involves sticking your neck out and it 's not comfortable, but nothing will ever happen if we don 't do that
0: That is terrific advice, so wow, what a special treat to have you on the show today, and Thank you so much for taking some time out uh, from where you are in New York. It's been inspiring. So thanks so much.
2: Thank you so much. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, I would love your help in sharing CMO Moves with one of your friends or colleagues who you think might enjoy it too. And if you have time, I would really love your review or ratings on Apple or SoundCloud. So thanks again and have a great day.
1: target.